0: Hey Trinity family, this is Chris McDaniel, uh, the lead pastor here, and I am so thankful to have you join us for our online service. One very exciting update. Today, uh, the day that you'll be watching this, we are in our sanctuary also for three services. And if you are in the Atlanta area, we sincerely hope that you'll make space to visit our website and come and join us for one of our services. We are really excited to be moving back into God's house. It has been a long season on video and in our parking lot, and it be- it feels like the Lord is really uh, shining his light and his favor on us to be able to move back inside and get back to something that we used to do but haven't done for a long time. So I am very happy to be with you, but I'm also going to be really excited to be in that room with the family of God. So join us if you haven't been able to sign up. We hope you will, so you'll join us in the weeks to come. I'm going to read a passage, a kind of long one actually, from Mark 19 uh, all the way through to the end of the chapter, and then we'll pray, and then we're just going to see what the Lord would have to say to us today. Then he went home, and the crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to restrain him. For people were saying, he's gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebub, And by the ruler of demons, he casts out demons. And he, called, and he called them to him. And he spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man, and then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said he has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called to him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside calling for you, asking for you. And he replied, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray and then let's see what the Lord would have to say to us today. Lord, we ask you to give us wisdom and peace to hear some things that might be somewhat tricky or difficult to hear in this passage. God, this text is loaded with words that could be uh, distracting or difficult, challenging, and so we pray now for your peace to hear. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to us through the word as we meditate together in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So y'all, context clues are really important. I was raised by a, a mom who was an English teacher earlier in her life, and she said, always pay attention to context clues. And so the first movement in this passage is, then he went home. So whenever you see the word then, you need to look backward to see what's happening because what Mark is trying to tell us is that whatever happened before actually helps us understand why people thought Jesus had gone out of his mind. So what's just happened? If you look back in the last three chapters, you see that Jesus has done these works. Number one, he set free a demon possessed man. Number two, he healed a ton of people at Simon Peter's house. Number three, he's been preaching all over the region, casting out demons left and right wherever he goes. Number four, he cleanses a leper. Number five, he heals a paralytic. And finally, He unapologetically, wherever he had been going, early in Mark's gospel, was calling people to follow him and to change their lives in response to him. So then he went home, tells us that's what he's been doing. That's what Jesus has been up to. Now he's gone to a home. He's in a house. And the second thing we see in this passage is that Jesus is now being accused of being insane or demon-possessed. Why would people do this? We have to stop and think about why people would think Jesus had gone out of his mind. He was not frothing at the mouth. He was not acting or behaving erratically. He's simply been doing what I just told you he'd been doing. See, Jesus has actually frightened and unnerved the establishment. People who wanted a kind of status quo, who wanted their own way forward, their own power, their own sense of stability. Jesus here is disrupting that sense of stability through his power and his authority, See, people back then, just like people now, they desire a kind of equilibrium, you know, for things to stay the same. And here we see Jesus, early in Mark's gospel, actually disrupting the sameness of life. The kind of sameness that says there are haves and have-nots. There are whole people and there are sick people. That kind of balance which put certain people in power, made them feel comfortable, and put others in their place, Jesus is now turning that upside down. See, if you were to go back into the time of Jesus, demon-possessed people or sick people were viewed as compromised and therefore lesser than So if you weren't like that, you had a leg up on that person. And here Jesus is going to those who are on the margins, on the edges, and he is doing something for them to raise them up. And not everybody likes it when Jesus does such disruptive work. And so people here accuse him of being out of his mind. They say, this guy's working for the devil. This guy's crazy. And Jesus is here not entirely among friends and the reason why he's being challenged is because he's disrupting the status quo and this has got me to thinking does Jesus want to and how does he want to disrupt the status quo in my life and in yours see if Jesus had been unnerving people making people feel uncomfortable then I have to ask the question and I think you do too is Jesus capable today of making me feel uncomfortable because of his power and his authority or have I tamed him? Or have I just reduced Jesus to a set of ideas or ideals, to something nostalgic and sentimental? See, what we see in Mark's gospel is that Jesus' power made people uncomfortable. And I would submit to you today that his power today should occasionally make us feel uncomfortable. And I think this begs some really important reflection. Have I just made him too tame Have I put God in a box so that he's like a small part of my life rather than something that could create and someone that could create disruption in me? See, Jesus in this moment in Mark's gospel is laying claim to everyone who would hear him. He's got something to say to their lives. And I would submit to you that Jesus wants to lay claim to you. He doesn't want faith just to be something we do for an hour on Sunday. For some of you, you're going to be coming back into our building, to our sanctuary for the first time in maybe 16, 17 months. And we'll think, well, it'll just be a a part of our life again. See, Jesus wants more than an hour on Sunday. He he wants more than just a prayer when we're in crisis. He wants to actually reorient our lives. And what we see in Mark's gospel and throughout the New Testament is that everywhere Jesus went, he was looking at people like you and me and saying, I want to assume a role and a place of preeminence in your life. I want to take up lots of space. And people didn't like that. And I would argue that maybe we don't like it either but the call is the same. So what happens? The third movement in this text is that Jesus, his family, his his mom and his brothers want him to tone it down. Mary and the kids tell him, Jesus, just turn down. You're making people uncomfortable. They think maybe Jesus is getting too big for his britches. And this is such an interesting look at the family dynamics that Jesus was having to deal with. In this moment, Mary wants to help Jesus by managing his reputation, by saying, Jesus, just calm down a little bit. You're asking for too much. There are two things we're told concerning Mary and, and the kids, Jesus' siblings in this text. Number one, they went to restrain him. I just want you to think about that. They felt that they needed to restrain Jesus to sort of calm him down. And then second, we're told that his mother and his brothers come and they stand outside and they summon Jesus to leave the house and go toward him. And this has just got me to thinking. They just wanted Jesus to move toward their agenda in the same way that I do that to Jesus. Where I think, you're making me a little uncomfortable. Would you just sort of like tone down that request that I would give my life over to you? Um, I just want this to be a part of my life. And Jesus says, no, I want to take over more space in you. So like Mary, there are times where I want Jesus to move toward my agenda rather than me moving toward his. I find it so telling that Jesus is in this packed house and Mary wants him to leave the house and go toward her so that she could calm him down. So what does Jesus do in response to that? The fourth thing we see in this text is that Jesus begins to speak about tying up a strong man and plundering his house. And so the fourth thing we see in this passage is that Jesus is intent upon plundering the enemy, our adversary. See, he's come to tell us right here in this passage what he's come to do. And I just wanna say this to you. This is what Jesus has come to do for you and for me. As recently as this Wednesday at our first worship and prayer meeting in over a year and a half, um, we were able to lay hands on people who felt comfortable with us laying hands on them and ask God to plunder, ask Jesus to plunder the enemy, to set us free. And here Jesus in this moment says, you have an adversary, you and me, we have an enemy and he has come to tie up the strong man and to take back what he has taken from us. See, what Jesus recognizes is what we sometimes fail to recognize, which is that we have an enemy and that we are being opposed. And many of us struggle to imagine having an enemy, a devil, a Satan, because we think of a little red um, elf with a a pitchfork and um, horns, and we've made it so cartoonish that we think, well, I don't need to believe in that. See, I believe that Jesus has something to say about the spiritual opposition that you face. I believe that Jesus has something to say about the hurts and the violence that we endure. I believe Jesus has something to say about systematic injustice. He cares about the oppression that we all experience in one way or another. And he has something to say about it. This picture of Jesus tying up a strong man, I believe, is meant to be a picture of how your life can change. That if you have an enemy, and I believe you do... I don't think we need to become obsessed with or fixated on that enemy, but we do need to acknowledge it. Jesus would say, I've come to tie that enemy up so that you could live free. So what would your life look like if you were free? If you were liberated because your enemy was bound, Jesus has come to tie up and to bind the enemy. He's come to plunder the enemy so that you and me would be free. What would your life look like if you experienced true freedom? That's what Jesus is inviting us to consider here. He's asking us to say, I've got something to say to your life and about your life. Would you let me say it? Will we let Jesus speak? And the truth of the matter is, in this text, the crowds will not let Jesus speak. They reject him. They label him a fool, a magician, a charlatan, a demoniac. Here is Jesus saying, I've come to make you free, and most of the people in the house are saying, you're just barking up the wrong tree. You're trying to sell us a bill of goods, and we don't want what you have. And I want you to hear this. When Jesus speaks about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, that's not something that you would accidentally do and then be damned forever. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What he's saying here is if I've come to set you free and you reject me outright, then you've moved so far away from me that there would be no hope. But we're all in process. I like to say it this way if you've ever wondered whether you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit and committed the unpardonable sin, if you've ever asked that question, you haven't committed that sin. You're just in process. And what Jesus is saying here is I've come to do something for you. Would you let me do it? Would you believe in spiritual forces and the power of Jesus? I believe the Lord wants us to recognize that he has authority for our life right now, right here. So if you're struggling with addiction, if you're struggling with um, some debilitating pattern or habit in your life, I just want to say to you, Jesus wants to bring his power to bear in your life to set you free. His desire is that you would be a free woman, a free man. A child of immeasurable dignity who grows to be who God's called you to be. Here's the last thing I want to say. This text ends with Jesus speaking about who belongs in his family. Mary and her boys are standing outside and they want Jesus to come to them. And Jesus here is in a packed house, surrounded by people. Nobody can move, nobody can eat. It's like a hot Packed building. And people in that room think he's a cheat. Some think he's crazy, has lost his mind. People are upset because Jesus is messing with their status quo. And Mary wants him to come out of that space toward her. And what Jesus says when Mary makes that request is he looks around him at all the people who are with him and he says, Those of you who make room for me, who believe in me, you are my family. So when I listen to Jesus, when I make room for him, I am his brother. And it blesses me to think about the fact that I belong. You do too. And even if we say yes imperfectly, we belong. We're a part of the family of God. But make no mistake about it. Jesus has come to disrupt the status quo in your life and mine. He's come to bring his power to bear and that will cause disruption in your life. And if we're honest, many of us would say that over the last 16 and a half months or however long this social disruption has been with pandemic and all that's happened since March of last year, many of us probably have some status quo patterns in our lives that need disrupting, things that Jesus wants to do that we actually have to open up and let him do it. Some of us, I think this is an opportunity to kind of raise a flag, put a, put a flag in the ground and say, Jesus, I'm inviting you to come back into some spaces and help me begin to walk more closely with you. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for you and for me to say yes to Jesus and allow him to disrupt parts of our lives that need disrupting. Maybe it's your appetites. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's the way you engage work. Maybe it's some internal struggle. Jesus wants to come and speak to things that are off kilter and bring them back into alignment. But we have to say yes to him. We have to let him do the work. I wanna leave you with a couple of questions before we pray the Lord's Prayer together. And if you're on your own, this is an opportunity for you to maybe journal and think if you've got friends or family around you, you could maybe hit pause when we put the questions up and discuss among yourselves if you feel comfortable. Three ideas. Number one, reflect on this statement. And here's the statement. Jesus is full of power and authority for my life. Does this statement feel true, foreign, strange to you? Do we believe he's got authority? I think it's important to be honest there. Number two, do you ever try to rein Jesus in a little bit? What does it look like for you to feel tempted to put Jesus in his place? Or have him move toward your agenda? And number three, what might Jesus want to say or do relating to the places of oppression and hurt in your life right now? Does he have something to say to you? And can you hear it? In a few moments, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. I would just say this, if you're still watching at home and are unable to get back into our building for our three services, we will have communion kits available for you to come during the week and pick those kits up. And we'll be continuing to do this video for the time being. So come and get communion if you can't make it with us in person. Also, I would say that if you visit atltrinity.org, there's an opportunity to give to support the mission of our church. If this is your home, if you live in Atlanta and this is your, your space, we would encourage you to serve God and support our mission. But if you're further out or just checking us out, we just wanna say everything's taken care of. We're just super happy that you're here. Let's pray as Jesus taught us to pray before we turn you loose. Our Father, who art in heaven,